it doesn't matter how bad it is, right? Do the things that you're in control of. Love those that love you and, and, and your loved ones and make sure they're okay. And just persevere through it because the, the sunny days will come back. You know, having a positive approach is really hard, right? During those times, but just focus on the things you control. Stop focusing on the things that you can't control. If you can't control it, don't put your energy into it. Put your energy into the things you do control that you can make a difference in. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner. And I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs, and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. Today, I am so excited because I have Andy Seely, who is a master in sales and digital marketing. He has led a number of companies and clients to achieve success. His work redefines what it means to be a people person, putting the best interests of everyone from individual team members to each client account at the forefront. Andy's previous experiences have taken him from the retail spaces to the publishing world. And today he leads a team of digital marketing mavens as the CEO and co-founder of Creatively Disruptive. Andy, welcome to the show. And I love the name of your company. Like every time I hear it, it just gives me the warm fuzzies. It's cool. My partner came up with it and I thought it was cool. The only downside is when you're like giving email addresses over the phone, no one can really spell it. Just today, I was talking to a, to somebody and they said, your email address is creative L-Y destruction. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's creatively disruptive. Oh, well, then I must <laughs> be the only one because I see it very clearly as creatively disruptive. <laughs> Right. I think many people do, but just as many, I think, are just like blowing through. Sometimes I wish it was just like email.com, you know, or something like that. But right, right. Something simple, easy. Nobody right. can mess it up right. ever. But, you know, right. it's a conversation point now. It is. It is. Yeah. It definitely is. Share with us your story. Like, how did you get to be the CEO of Marketing Mavens, Ecom and Digital Marketing? The long story, I was in New Zealand, which is where I'm originally from, and I finished a sports degree, uh, sports science degree, with a focus on team building, and finished that degree and was like, man, I, I want to be the next big thing in sports and coaching and blah, blah, blah. And I actually was on my way over to the United Kingdom to coaching, like rugby coaching, because I was a rugby guy. I was like, you know what, on the way, I'll stop off in America for six months and see what I can, like, find out here and on the way yeah and I and I started 
I was coaching a rugby team in Chicago called the Condors, Westside Condors. And I worked with them for six months. During that time, I met this girl who has now turned out to be my wife. And she became my anchor and got me stuck here. Uh, and I and I wouldn't, I don't say stuck here, but you know, we, we spoke during that six months and we we're like, do you think we've got any future? You know, I was like, yeah, I think you're great. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, what should we do about this? You're going to England. And I was like, well, you can come. And she was like, I'm not going to England. I've got student loans. I've got responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have any responsibilities or student loans. So I was like, oh, well, I'll, I guess I'll just hang around. So um, thankfully, I'm very lucky. The rugby club sponsored me and helped me become legal. A couple of years later, we got married. 20-something years later, 1999, that was. Emmy. Yeah. So 22 years later, I'm still here. One of the things that I think coming over to America, which was not originally the plan, but by staying in America, it really opened up a little bit of an entrepreneurial fire in me. I probably always had, but I didn't really explore until I was like, you know what, if I'm going to be in America, you know, all these Americans have so much success. Um, that was my thought as an immigrant, right? As an immigrant, even from New Zealand, which is a pretty, you know, a great little country in itself, but uh-huh. the opportunity is nothing like the United States. Really? And the part of me was like, well, I'm here. Let's go for it. Let's see what happens. I started off as a you know, working with CarMax, you know, CarMax, the auto superstore. Um, back in those days, they were opening a lot of locations. So I actually went around with their opening team and I was helping them open up stores. I opened up a couple of stores in the Midwest. And at some point I was sick of really working for corporate America, even though CarMax is a pretty decent company or was back then. I don't know what they're like now to work for, but back then they were a good company to work for. But I was a bit tired of working for corporate America and I still had that feeling of, oh, you know, this is America. This is where you, the hopes and dreams all, all come from. As, the magic as, happens. The magic happens. So well, let's go for it. At that moment, funnily enough, my wife decided to, that she was always a gymnastics coach. coach. So she was coach, you know, pretty high level gymnastics too. And she wanted to own her own gym. And we found a gym in Lake Tahoe, beautiful area. We still own a house up there in Lake Tahoe, bought this gym. Things went really, 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 really well. You know, we bought it in 2004, went really well until 2008, 2009. And all the financial world started crumbling around everyone's ears. And that was probably, would you, is it the nadir? Is that what the word is when when you're at the down, the nadir of your, of your financial? Yeah. yeah, nadir. Trying to be very smart, sound like I'm really smart. So I'll use those. You're at the bottom. When you're at the bottom, that was the beginning of a journey to the bottom um, was in 2008. And we just started another business. I'd started a business myself too in publishing. And I started the business the week that Lehman Brothers collapsed. Oh, wow. And then as I'm trying to start this business, I'm seeing the stock market that was only at about 12,000 at that time, dropping like 800 points every day. Right. Oh my gosh, what's going on? My wife's gym... Um, lost half of its membership in one month. So we went from like 250 kids, which is, this was a small gym in a small town, but we were doing well from that to like a hundred, which was terrible. You know, I've got to give her a lot of credit for a very long time. She didn't get paid, worked 60 hours a week, you know, for like two or three years. Right. Borrowed loads of money to keep it open. It was a community kind of thing. Felt quite that we owed it to the community to keep it open. 
I mean, when I think back and I say that kind of stuff, I'm like, you know, I didn't own it. Owe it to the community to keep it open. The community, you know, either works with us or doesn't, and right. blah blah blah. Anyway, it put us into some pretty bad financial straits, which I think a lot of businesses probably felt back then. A lot of individuals felt back then. We ended up borrowing like 300, 350,000 in unsecured debt on credit cards and all sorts of stuff. And there was a lot of looking at the ceilings at 3 a.m. in the morning, wondering how do you get out of this and going on TV, you're watching TV, reading newspapers, um, which is what we used to do back then, back in the olden days, and finding out, you know, that things aren't any better and things weren't looking to get better. And um, it was tough. The good news was that that little business that we started which was a little media company doing printing magazines, if you can imagine <laughs> it, uh, printing magazines and putting them into hotel rooms was starting to take off. And that first month that we worked, uh, we made a gross. I mean, that's not income for myself, about $16,000 in the first month, which was more than what I expected. And we did well. And a lot of the reason, the way I was able to get through those early days when things felt really dire was my dad. I was talking to my dad and he said, and, and I was saying, you know, the house price, we just bought the house a year or two ago and at the peak of the market, right? It's now, it's already dropped like 50,000 less than what we bought it for. What's going on? And he says, well, don't worry about it unless you sell it. Are you going to sell it? And I was like, no. And he's like, don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't matter what it is until you sell it. So right. take that off of your stress list. And I was like, all right. So tried to throw that monkey off my back. And then he was, and then I was like, you know, gosh, I've just started this business. I really don't know, you know, how things are going to go. And he said, look, you know, put it this way. You can only control what you control. You can't control what other people do. So don't worry about people making decisions to sell. Don't worry about all those things. You have no control over. You're a good sales guy. Just do what you control. And, and then he was like, what do you control, Andy? And I was like, well, I guess I control picking up the phone and calling people. And that's all I controlled. Outside of that, I had no control. It was basically, we'll see what happens. Right. And he said, okay, so what do, you, what do you think we can do to make sure that you do okay? And he said, and I said, well, I guess if I pick up the phone a hundred times a week, week in, week out, that's probably doing the maximum I can do. And I remember the first day that I did it, I picked up the phone 75 times in one day. Wow. And I booked seven or eight conversations and actually had meetings. And that was how I, I got to that 16,000. And then the next month it was, you know, 16, 20,000. And we actually were earning enough money from that income to actually keep things at least ticking over. I mean, we were borrowing money to keep the business open, the gym open, but the little media company, you know, right off from the, the beginning was uh, kind of keeping us fed. And, you know, I just lived on that, lived on what my dad was saying, what, just do the things that you can control. Don't worry about the things that are out of your control. You're going to like go crazy. Just do the things that you know you're good at and do it every day and control that and then let it be what it will be, but just do the best you can of the things you can control. And yeah. that really got me through. Um, obviously, you know, from a business standpoint that the gym is still actually open to this day, we ended up basically giving it away because we needed to get out of it. We needed Tiffany, to my wife, to, to get a job and we didn't want it to collapse. We didn't want to close it. So we pretty much you know moved on from it. But we did have $350,000 in debt. We had to dig ourselves out of that. And uh, we did file a chapter 13 bankruptcy way back then. You know, obviously it's a payback bankruptcy, um, which allowed us to keep our home at the time. 
but it was that would have been the lowest point. The business that we had, the little the little media business that put magazines and hotel rooms, there wasn't really any assets attached to that, you know. So we were able to take that through the bankruptcy as well. And there's a lot of blaming and a lot of you know there was probably some a little bit of marital stress about you know why you know this gym blah 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 <laughs> from me and then my wife like whoa you could have helped more there's all that kind of stuff and we kind of like right. got over that pretty quickly and it sounds it was, like a really like nothing was going really well for you though for a while right um probably and I, I would say from 2009 to about 2011 apart from the little business that little business was just chugging away only ever chugged chugged away we actually ended up selling it to a good friend of mine who's still running the same company same business to this day so there was obviously legs to it and it survived through a really tough time and in fact we know that that little business actually helped a lot of restaurants and so forth in lake tahoe because that's what they've told us um at the time because they were struggling and you know tourism at that time dropped about 15 percent in lake tahoe still meant there was four and a half million tourists coming up there from the bay area every every year which is still a number of people that will go into the hotels and but there was lots of good good things i think when i look back on it now i think it was i guess it wasn't expensive because we didn't pay the three hundred fifty thousand dollars back to all the big banks um the big banks took it but i guess they they got some money from the taxpayer but we probably paid nineteen thousand dollars through our restructuring loan and that nineteen thousand dollars kind of taught us that doesn't matter how dark it becomes as long as you persevere and and work through it the bright time bright things can happen too and I think right now probably what it ultimately taught me was it doesn't matter how bad it is right do the things that you're in control of love those that love you and, and and your loved ones and make sure they're okay and just persevere through it because the the sunny days will come back you know having a positive approach is really hard right during those times but just focus on the things you control. Stop focusing on the things that you can't control. If you can't control it, don't put your energy into it. Put your energy into the things you do control that you can make a difference in. Right. I love that. Did that give you freedom to take on new ventures? I've always been a bit of a risk taker. I mean, I came over to the United States with $500 in a backpack because yeah. I was going to England. <laughs> I ended up staying. On the way to England. On the way to England. So I've always been a little bit of a risk taker. But after experiencing the worst that, in my mind, life, because I mean, in many people's minds, bankruptcy seems like the worst thing that could happen to you financially because you re reset yourself, right? But even looking at that and where we are today, especially with where we are today and what, what I've learned through that the last 10 years, I, I'd say, I think I could always rebuild back from the great reset and Joe Biden build back better, so to speak. I think it's really important for people to know that whilst you're breathing and your heart's beating and all of those good things, there's always hope for, for great things. It's when we give up is when things can turn, you know, chronically bad and having that positive mentality. And I always believe that something would happen. I, I'm a big believer in the United States. I'm, I'm one of these like very annoying immigrants that come that, that are very much like America can do anything and America is a land of opportunity and you just need to work hard and you, you know well not even work hard you just need to be smart and do things and just keep trying and America you know is a country that can reward you greatly and I really do believe that and I do believe that if something happened again like the pandemic or whatever you could like battle through it and I actually got a very similar feeling funnily enough this time last year 
as I did back when the financial collapse was happening, which was really quite concerning. I really kind of went quite within myself, but I think that experience taught, I went right into what can we control? What are the things that this, this business can do to actually make a difference and to actually get through this? Let's not worry about all the things that we can't control and get all frustrated and, and worked up about this stuff. Let's get very serious about what we can do. And that actually got us through April and May, which was tough months for, I think, every business. But then we ended up having a great 2020. It's embarrassing almost to say, because so many people had a tough 2020, we grew substantially business-wise in 2020. Yeah. And well, and you're not the only one. Like right. my, my clients, most of them grew far more than they expected had their best year ever I know a lot of businesses did so it seems like it there's obviously a lot and I don't want to downplay no both businesses and families that have struggled but there's also been opportunity for been crazy opportunities and especially in our industry and what we do we've seen a real culture shift and how people behave and what people do which I think is an opportunity for all small businesses especially as we're reopening and you know gyms are reopening and restaurants are reopening and, and you know people orientated businesses that need people on their location are reopening i think there's a culture shift that's happened which can really cause a major bounce back where we can be back and better than where we were before the pandemic i think i totally agree i totally agree if we start looking at everything as opportunity as much yep. as we can yep. and, and i love what you're sharing too because i think when you're in those low points and everybody has them, has struggles. I've had plenty. And the thing that's always kept me going is like, there is light at the end of the tunnel and nothing's permanent. It sounds like you had a similar belief in that. All right, well, this sucks. And I'm up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm concerned, but I'm doing the things that I can. It's attitude is 90% of it. I think about how babies learn, right? And babies learn to walk, right? So little baby standing there by the table, looking up at the table, they pull themselves up on the table and they start smiling, looking at everybody, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm a baby and I'm standing by this table. And then they see mom across the room and they're like, oh, and they, they think about, how do I get over there? I can see mom, I'm gonna try and get, and there's all this like whittling and wobbling. And the first few times they fall over, they might smack their head on the table. Who knows, it's, it's not, pretty right and they try and they go back to the table they climb up and they do it again they get up and they do it again they do it again they do it again they never give up and babies 99.999 percent of the time never go oh this is too hard i'm just not gonna bother walking how many people suffer from when i was a baby i just gave up on walking and i still can't walk <laughs> you never did right and that baby is in that goal they want to get over to mom and they just keep doing it and doing it. And then they suddenly start walking. They're not even looking at their feet. They're not looking down. No, they're looking, they go at mom. From, they're looking at the goal. Right. And they go from like struggling to walk and being kind of wobbly to like running and being at the opposite end of the house and something that you don't want them to be in moments. <laughs> right. In weeks, it feels, or even less. Right. But the takeaway from that is, is perseverance. Don't give up, but also keep your eye on the goal right? If, if yeah. you keep your eye on the goal, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. And we muscle yeah. through it. When you're working out, you start off, like if you're in bad shape and you're, and you need to work and, and you need to start working out at the beginning, it's rough, the bottom, right? 
Right. But you keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and you get fitter and stronger and healthier and then you get hit the goal. So keep your eye on the goal and don't give up. There is no one who was successful gave up. No one. Every successful person didn't give up. The only people that did give up are the unsuccessful people. And when they hit failure, they didn't stop. Like failure is the, is the learning curve. All of my learning comes from doing things wrong. I don't, I don't think I've learned anything from when I've got it right. Oh, I know right. I don't. So it's, <laughs> right. it's like, oh, now I get it. Right. And, you know, perseverance, you know, and I keep thinking back to my dad when he, when he said, and he's still around, he's not, he's not passed away. It still rings in my ear to this day and I'll carry it to the day I die, I'm sure, is just do the things that you control. Just focus on doing the best you right. can on the things that you do and just keep at it and keep at it and keep at it and it will be fine. And it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think we get stuck in thinking that like when things aren't going right or, and I think even particularly with financial matters, that it's going to be permanently like that. Right. If this happens and then that happens, I'm going to be stuck in this bottom place for forever. In this right. And whilst I'm not promoting that everyone should go through bankruptcy, <laughs> bankruptcy in itself, I remember the, our bankruptcy attorney was a lovely lady in Reno and she said, Andy, Tiffany, this is a good thing. This is the end of your troubles. There's going to be some restrictions for a couple of years. This is where you guys get to move forward and go to your next step. And I, I tell you, when we filed it, there was a lot of ego hurt. There was a lot of, uh, I'm not a good citizen and all that kind of feelings that I think, which, are, which is really ego-based, ego-based. And once I got over that and I looked at what things were, we had no, pretty much no debt. We had a little payment that we had to make and we were able to focus on growing and that allowed us to get to where we are today. It was gave us that breathing space. It gave us the ability to not be to be thinking of things other than phone calls coming from collectors and, and, and the harassment that you get through that, which you know you could say is, is legitimate or illegitimate. I, I owed the money, so they were calling, which is fair. But that all stopped and allowed us to focus on growing our, our life and getting to where we want to be. And then once we went through that period with, with the bankruptcy, skyrocketed you know to this day you know I, I'm, I feel very blessed I get to work from home I see my son whenever um, they've gone to the park because he tends to walk in yes he did more at any moment. <laughs> um, so I get to see him I get to see my wife you know when I was working with Carmax there was 12 hour days sometimes I might not see see my wife you know much apart from come home have a bite to eat go to bed and wake up in the morning go back to work and that's not a life that I wanted so I'm right. very, very blessed. We're building a, a pool in the backyard. You know, summer's looking really great. I'm, I'm very lucky. And, you know, I don't, I look at the past and I don't see anything but learning and things that have, have helped me get to where I am today. Because I don't think I'd be quite the person or have the skill sets that I had if I didn't go through all of that. I think that's so amazing too. There's so much learning that you've had. Like, how did that help you start this business with Creatively Disruptive? My partner, my, my business partner, he went through similar issues uh -huh. you know, in New Zealand. He's actually based in New Zealand. He's very much more the technical side. I'm more the business end and the, the sales and you know, customer relations kind of guy. My partner's much more the, the nuts and bolts, how to build websites, build campaigns, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we both came together and we're like, you know, and he's a family member. And we we're like, you know, there's got to be a better way of doing marketing online for small business this was a while ago six years ago 
at the time there was you know every man and his dog would say that they were facebook expert every man and his dog said they're online marketing experts and most of them knew nothing and we did know something and we felt pretty good about the, the knowledge that we had and we thought you know why don't we build something that's very transparent very open very honest uh, we will say things to clients that they don't want to hear because they need to hear it. Some of them don't like it and they leave. Many of them do like it and that's why they stay. We don't lose many clients. They tend to stick with us. And a lot of it is that honest, open transparency. We we decided to focus on small business like very early on. Um, so you know, we, we've got oh, pushing a hundred different clients. We've got a, few, a good number of e-commerce that keeps us sharp because e-commerce is very, very difficult. So, you know, if you're good at e-commerce, which we are, it makes it very easy to be very good for like small business and so forth. And, you know, we tend to do a very good job with those, but we focus on small business because ultimately we are a small business. We are a team of like 20 employees. So we're not a massive conglomerate. We're, We're a small business. Going through all that tough time really built a, a lot of empathy in me towards small business and knowing the difference we can make to a small business is something that really motivates me that we can literally change lives with the platforms. It's not us. It's, it's really Facebook and Google done correctly. Right. It's life-changing. And many people have had their lives change, change from doing the right thing with those platforms and we can help any small business. They don't need to be Facebook experts and Google experts to have that same success. They just need to bring our team on board and we can be, be that. And sounds like a little bit of an ad, but that was, very much a motivating factor to go down the route that we were with creatively disruptive. Well, and I've read, or I've met rather a lot of people and similar to you that claim to be digital marketing or Facebook experts. And they're not like they don't have the proof or the stats. Our industry is, it's plagued with people, some well-meaning that really just don't know, but they, they think they do and they're just not that good at it. And there's, there's some that are not well-meaning, that they're, they're actually just bad actors and they they charge as much as they can for the shortest period of time that they can, knowing that they've got a oh. short window before someone figures it out, that they're not actually very knowledgeable and then they move on. We've developed a whole system that anybody that kind of like works with us, they, they see it's all about the long term. There's no like major, major high-end costs right from the beginning. Not that we're, we're the cheapest at all because we're not, but it's all about the long, long haul. In our kind of business, major growth in any kind of business, really major growth comes with clients staying with you, mm-hmm. right? You right. can't grow in any large way with a constant loss of clients. Even in the United States where there's unlimited numbers of customers, you, you can't base a business purely around the strength of your salespeople being good at convincing people to do business with you there's got to be an element of those people that do do business with you staying with you because then every time you add somebody you're growing instead of hey we need to add 35 people every month otherwise we're going backwards right and there's some businesses that operate that way i i very much live in the world of i'd rather add five or six people a month and then stay forever because it means i'm growing by five or six people a month than try to add 50 people a month knowing that that will allow me to grow because i'm gonna lose 45 and in my industry, there is a lot of that. I need to add 50 people so I can grow by five each month, which is kind of scary. And we do a lot with that. You know, people will burn all the time. And right. I think it's short. Well, it is short-term thinking. I totally agree. Like I want to have relationships with the people that I work with. And if I'm providing them with results, they're going to stay. Right. And they I get think, the investment. 
And I think a lot of that feeling that Russell and I have, my, my partner, is because we've owned small business, he used to be a, a head chef in, a, in restaurants before he, you know, he got into this business. You know, I owned the gym, you know, that, did, that we, ha- we experienced great times and really tough times. And I owned the little, the little publishing company that <laughs> made magazines for hotel rooms and blah, blah, blah. And, and that had pretty average times, never was really great, never was really bad, but it was pretty, it's it sustainable. Um, but I was so involved with, with small businesses and we saw that when things go really well, you can buy a house, you can send your kids to college, you can, you can have a decent life. And I love that we get to see this, you know, we've got a number, a number of gymnastics gyms that work, work with us, because um, my wife's in gymnastics, she kind of like opened the door to us. Yeah. And I've seen some gyms go from like 400,000 to 2 million in revenue. And the difference that makes to the owner that it goes from a, a hobby business that's kind of like not really making much money, which a lot of small businesses get in, small business owners get into this thing where they're not really making much money for themselves, but they're working lots of hours and the, they probably would do better working for somebody else, but they have this passion and they want to do it. There's no reason why your passion project can't that you love can't turn into something very sustainable and rewarding financially for you if you do things right. And yeah, I love seeing that. That's very motivational to me. Well, and what I love about that too, because I experienced the same thing is not only are they making more money and like the, the owner is directly impacted in that they get to up-level their lives, but they get to up-level everybody that's working for them and their clients at the same time. And that's why I, I always encourage my clients to think bigger, like scale bigger, because the more you're bringing in, the more you can give back. For me right now, what I see is the opportunities for almost every business is there. The only, the only, downside, the only downside that I see, which is a great one, and it's great for the economy, is, is hiring people. Most of our clients, uh, their limitation is, is not how can they find more customers? It's more of how do they make sure that they can scale mm-hmm. their capability to fulfill for their customers, right? right. We, we can literally, if you're in a decent sized neighborhood or town or whatever, you, know, you, you can get as many customers as you might ever think that you need if you're doing it right. And even in a small town, you know, we have one little gymnastics gym that is in Texas in a town of about 7,000 and they were really struggling during the pandemic that once they were allowed to open, they're actually back to better than we were ever right now. And there's some reasons for that. And, you know, I think the marketplace got such, so forced into doing business online that people are very much online now. People who never used to do business online are now doing business online. Oh, absolutely. And it's now where people are finding businesses, you know, finding how to get things, how to learn things, how to do things, you know, where to buy things. And if you're not on there as a small business owner, you're missing out. I mean, you're not just like, it's not just a, something you have to do. You're actually missing out. I, I believe as a bit of a golden age, small businesses have never had the ability to reach their client base like they can right now in a way that's very intimate and very personal um, right. and very compelling. And those clients that we're bringing, that, that we have that are working um, with us through this, this, this process are just doing so well. I mean, we, we literally lost one client in 2020, which is crazy. Wow. We had a bunch that paused because right. they were closed, <laughs> um, but they, most all of them have come back and we, had, we lost one. They pretty much decided they wanted to try to do it themselves because it seemed easy. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of expecting to get to have them come back to us at some yeah. point. Hey, if they figure it out, good on them. More power to I them. I am not a digital ads guru at all, <laughs> or a novice for that matter. But I've seen them go you know, really wrong for other people. And well, uh, what I what I would say, Amy, is it's not actually that hard. And if you any, I'm sure if you just did that, if that was all you did, you'd probably figure it out and you'd actually do a good sure. job. The the point is, is that most small business owners, like you know, like yourself or you know, whatever, whatever's going on, they've got a passion for a certain thing. That's where they want to be, right? Yeah, the baker that. wants to be baking cakes and cookies and bread. He doesn't want to be running Facebook ads, right? The, the car mechanic wants to be fixing cars. He doesn't want to be running Facebook ads, right? The coach yeah. that is helping people grow wants to help people grow, doesn't want to be running Facebook ads yeah. and, and Google ads. Well, the thing I love about it, though, over like so many other forms of marketing is that it's so easy to measure. Right. Yeah. I, I remember one of the biggest problems that I had when we owned the gym, because it was pre-Facebook when we bought the gym. Right. Facebook didn't even exist. Like Zuck probably didn't even get to college when we first bought the gym. <laughs> um, and we had two forms of marketing that were, well, three forms of marketing. We did shows and things at, at community events that we would have a, a like a pop-up tent and right. the kids would do forward roles and stuff we did radio ads and we did coupon books now the only thing that we could really track was coupon books right because people would bring in the coupon um radio ads i don't know did people come in because of the radio ads felt like it was busier but maybe it was just that it was 2004 2005 which was like the huge boom years right 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 who knows and there's no tracking now i can literally see how many people saw your ad like just didn't click on it, but just like saw it. There's impressions, right? I can see how many people clicked on it. I can see what they, where they went, what they did, how they did it, what what works for them, what they don't like, and we actually get a tremendous amount of data to actually allow us to make good adjustments to to make it better and better and better. Um, and small businesses never had that opportunity, or yeah. even large businesses never really had that opportunity. You know, fifteen years ago, ten years ago. Yeah, it's, I love it. It's so powerful. I'd love to shift gears a little bit. Sure. You have a super cool resource, your Small Business Marketing Academy. Can you talk about that? Probably in 2020, not 2019, well, earlier than that, probably 2017, we developed a, a course internal. So we'd, we'd have a an intern you know, that would come in and we'd try to get them up to speed to start working on, on client projects and they would need to learn, right? And in our business, everything's changing all the time. It's like something that we learned three months ago might be out of date <laughs> now. We built this course for our new staff to come in and learn how to do what they need to do. And we, we built that course in 2017, worked really, really well. We're able to onboard and grow and scale because obviously scaling in our business oftentimes comes down to how many people that you have in your organization. And that's been a major part of, of how we've grown our company. Most all of our staff have learned internally. We haven't hired experts from outside. We brought them in, taught them how to do it, and then they've done it. And then in 2019, we were like, we could turn this into a course. <laughs> Why don't we turn this into a course? We could sell this thing. Uh, so we those epiphanies. Right? So we turned it into a course for everybody else to start using. You know, we were going to charge, I think it was $400, um, just flat rate, $400 lifetime access, go for it. So we got it all set up and ready to go. 2020 hit, 
looking to, to launch it big time and then the pandemic hit and we're like oh crap and thought about launching it and then we we're like you know what kind of put it on the back burner for a couple of months and then june came around and we were like okay things are looking good for us clients you know you know people are looking at us as like we need you which is quite an interesting situation for an agency to, to be all the clients looking we, we you're, you're our heartbeat we need you we need you know we're one of the top bills that they wanted to pay and we're like okay we're in a lucky position we're gonna have we're it looks like we're gonna have a good 2020 um maybe what we should do is is give back and it made us feel really good the staff really jumped in on it and they got very excited about it so what we did is instead of charging four hundred dollars we decided to do a pay what you can oh, so, okay. so you can actually get the get into the course learn what our team learns and really understand kind of how how facebook works and actually if you've got the time if you're a baker and you actually have an extra five hours or four hours a day to actually make it all go um you could actually learn and do it learning what we know um everything there's nothing held back the whole thing's in there there's 90 something classes in there oh wow about how to do Google, Facebook, messaging, branding, the whole nine yards, what works, what we've seen works based on data. So it's not just opinion, it's data, you know, because we had to do it because we're doing it for our interns and so forth. If you only have you know, a dollar, you can pay a dollar. If you don't have anything, you can pay nothing. Funny thing is, is the average is $60. So really? a lot of people pay. We've had some people pay the full 400. Oh, well, wow. 395 i think the number is okay. we've actually had some people pay the 395 and and obviously we've had a lot of pay who haven't paid anything that's fine but i think it's a good thing and we've had a lot of people get on it we got picked up and had a little bit of an article in the business insider about it and been good and it, and it makes me feel good when we look at the numbers of how many people are signing up or signed up to see that we potentially have a positive impact there where we're teaching people how to fish mm -hmm. right instead of giving them fish and I think that's really powerful. And the worst case scenario is maybe that baker can't really necessarily, doesn't have the time to actually do it, but at least if he goes and hires somebody or comes and talks to a company like ours, he knows enough to be able to figure out whether or not they know enough to actually get them results, which I think is really important. So the worst thing that I would say to any of your listeners, do it just to know who is who are legitimately going to be able to help you or not, because you could end up spending a lot of money wastefully yeah a lot of money yeah it's a great opportunity and you know yeah it's, it feels good to be able to do that awesome and we're gonna have the link in the show notes for everybody who's listening too so definitely check it out because i wish i had something like that back in 2008 yeah because it might have made a difference to our little gym right. uh, but i had no clue and no one was helping me it's so powerful and the results that you can get from running facebook and google ads is incredible it is it's, it's great and i don't think there's ever been a time where we've had as much control ourselves and i do believe that right now we're, we're setting up for a very you know i think there's going to be a turb it's going to be a turbulent 2020 culturally politically is going to be quite turbulent I, I think 2030 will be great like really i think things will start sorting themselves out by then but i think from a finance and business standpoint i think uh 2020 could be really really strong for those that are thoughtful and take the opportunities that are there the platforms yeah. are stronger than they've ever been the algorithms are amazing i don't see that changing for some time and you know right now every small business needs everything that they can to get back to where they were and i think if they do these things 
that they will be not only back to where they were, but ahead because everybody is now online searching for, you know, my, my wife wants to buy a bed, right? For our little boy, like wants to get a cool, a cool bed. She's not going to stores. No. She's searching online. Yeah. 10 years ago, she would have been going to stores. Right. That's not happening now. She's sitting there looking at all sorts of beds, thousands of beds online. Like <laughs> but it's so cool to see different ideas, even if they're not relevant to like your particular search. Sometimes that helps me think yep. of something else that I want. And like restaurants, like, you know, and I know I'm, I'm going on a little bit on this, but restaurants famously were just had loads of terrible websites terrible websites now we're seeing restaurants and we, we work with about 10 restaurants restaurants are now realizing man i need to have my website being able to take orders be able to process credit cards so people can order and get takeout really easily and we're seeing a massive jump in restaurants that were, were very focused on the dining experience mm -hmm. now actually you know having a very robust takeout experience which I think is, is money to be made because not everybody wants to sit with their kids in a restaurant, but they still want to have a nice steak or they still want to do, you know, have a, right. a nice sushi or whatever. It's not just about the pandemics. Some people, their, their lifestyles and, and, you know, their situations don't, aren't conducive to sitting in a restaurant for an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I want to eat amazing food, not cook it and just stay home. So. Right. You don't want to be, you want to just relax. You want to turn on your show on Netflix, eat your eat your food, and just enjoy yourself. And you can do that. And restaurants are starting to see that because again, people have now been trained that you know the, the the thinking of DoorDash, the thinking of Uber Eats, the thinking of all these things, the thinking of man, I can order order food online. I can order my groceries online. Why can't I order my favorite steakhouse online? Right. And I could either have it delivered to me and pay an extra twenty five percent, or I can go to the steakhouse and actually pick it up and pay what I would if I if I walked in there. Lesser tip, usually don't have to, I mean, you might pay a little tip, but you're not gonna pay your normal 20% tip. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's that kind of stuff, and I could say across all the different industries that we work with, they're all doing well, like everyone's doing well. So if you're, if you're a business and you're struggling, whether you're a coach, whether you're a small business from, with, a, with a brick and mortar, uh, whether you're e-com, right now there's so much opportunity it's ridiculous like I, coming into this into this interview with you you know i was a little bit like crazy because we've got so much going on and it's all good and i feel very positive and i i hope people feel that and and, and sense yeah. it and take it i i agree with you and i hope people who are listening too if they're not feeling it just keep walking forward because the opportunity for you is coming. And, and reach out, reach out, reach out to you, Emmy, reach out to come you know, to us. We'll talk to you about the opportunity and what can happen. We actually do a whole plans for clients. We build out 50 page plans on this is how it's going to happen. So you have certainty. We take your hopes and dreams and wishful thinking to data and certainty through a process, which allows you to see all the numbers lined up and you go, okay, well, if we do these things, this is how it works out. You know, three plus two is five and right. three plus two is always five. And the beauty of the data, which you mentioned before, we, we you can track everything is that we've turned our marketing into a mathematical equation, which means that you can have data and certainty. You know what can what can be done. And, and I do, you know, and this is very self-serving with your audiences. If, you, if you're uncertain, reach out to my team and 
we'll be happy to just walk you through it so you can see if your your opportunity or your idea or your hopes and dreams are there. I know with you, Emmy, you do a lot of good work too, which you can help people with that stuff too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we have to wrap up and I'm really yeah. fine because I could talk to you forever. <laughs> this is a perfect segue too in that if people do want to reach out to you, where can they connect with you? Probably the, the best way is to go to creativelydisruptive.com if you can spell it, creativelydisruptive.com. It's an amazing um, website and I would recommend everybody go under the contact us and meet the team because I love your little, yeah. they're very unusual. <laughs> Yeah, we, we wanted to like just show the personalities that we have in the team. And, and I think it's important for you to know who you're working with and what kind of people they are. So we got a little bit of a different meet the team vibe going on. But go there. At minimum, go and check out the What We Teach link. And then the What We Teach link has the Small Business Academy, which you can go in and do the pay what you can access to, to it. And I highly recommend that everybody does that because at the very minimum, they'll have access, lifetime access to a whole bunch of information that's being updated all the time. If you want to reach out to us, click the contact us and send us an email or call us. Right. Um, you can reach us on Facebook, Creatively Disruptive. There's a whole bunch of stuff on there. Instagram, Creatively Disruptive. You can reach me through LinkedIn at Andy Seeley. I do have a Twitter page, although I, I'm kind of like, banning myself from Twitter. I'm be, I banned myself from Twitter before Twitter bans me, I guess, because Twitter seems to ban everybody. But I, I'm a little bit sick of Twitter. But I had, do have a thing there, and I, I will get information if you do send something through there. Um, and on Instagram, I think it's small business champion, sales small business champion that you can look for there. But oh, uh, yeah. yeah, we've got a whole team of people that are very, very small business focused, very much want to help people reach their heights and dreams, turn their hopes and dreams and wishful thinking into data and certainty is kind of thank you thank you so much thank you thank you so much for being a listener of the tribe of leaders podcast i am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to and i hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 